Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City based podcast where we practice intellectual self defense. Wings alight, her body bright. She just might be too obvious to see. was just a snippet of a song called Angel in the Deep that appears on the brand new incredible album Ugly by When Humans Had Wings. Of course, When Humans Had Wings is the musical moniker of best friend of the podcast, Allison Gray, and Ugly has just been released. And I am going to talk to Allison about all of this and so much more right after this word from our sponsor. Before we get to that word from our sponsor, I want to let you know that there was a minor software glitch while recording this episode. So as awesome as the song samples sound, they sound even better on Bandcamp. So please, after you've listened to Allison talk about her album, go to the show notes, click the Bandcamp link, and check out how truly amazing Ugly is. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance, and asking you, no matter what, to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. I'm here with best friend of the podcast, Allison Gray. Welcome back to New York City. Hi. It's so great to have you here. And um, we just heard another sampling of your album. So why don't you, before we go any further, tell us what the song was and give us just a little bit about what Ugly is about. That song was Witch. It's one of my favorites on the album. I Don't get me wrong. I love all of my songs, like My Little Creative Babies, but Witch holds a very special place in my heart um, because as we'll talk about in the rest of this conversation, this album is a concept album based on my spirit animal, the anglerfish. And the album is like a sonic journey 
down into the depths of the ocean where the anglerfish lives. And this is a metaphor for the journey down into the psyche, the subconscious. It's, it's, you could say it's like a shadow work album. So which is the part of this album's trajectory where the anglerfish becomes aware of how she's perceived as dark and evil and ugly. And she begins to question why she is the way she is. Okay. I love that. And I do need to ask you a question about a certain juxtaposition (laughs) (laughs) word of the day. Um, You mentioned the deep, the anglerfish. And meanwhile, your musical moniker is when humans had wings. So how does someone who has devoted herself to reminding people that humans can fly wind up in the deep, very deep ocean? That is an excellent question. So I mentioned shadow work. For those unfamiliar, Shadow work refers to the inner work of peering into one's own subconscious mind. And you can do this by analyzing your dreams. You can do this by meditating, uh, just basically getting to know yourself and the parts of yourself you usually don't look at and discovering what's hidden in the shadowy recesses of your own psyche and then bringing those things into the light of consciousness. So that's actually how I met the anglerfish. I was doing a spirit animal meditation and encountered this horrifying and also enormous anglerfish in the deep ocean in this vision and was terrified of her and avoided thinking about her for years. And when I finally came back around to contemplating her with a genuinely open mind and heart, I discovered how medicinal her frightening symbolism actually is. So in a way, you could say I was doing my shadow work and learning how to embrace this mysterious symbol, this animal version of my own self. So um, yes, on the spiritual path, it is important to remember how powerful we are and how much potential we have to transcend and ascend. However, the flip side of that work is also learning how to be comfortable in the deep in the dark, in the unknown. And that's essentially what this album portrays. Okay. I'm, I'm curious here because um, you said your spirit an- animal is the anglerfish and the album itself is not even quite dedicated by, but the anglerfish is almost your co-conspirator, <laughs> your collaborator yeah. on this album. Now, I'm guessing the vast majority of people listening are familiar with generally what an anglerfish is and they know uh, finding Nemo, but um, how? Like, no, I, I'm going to make a, a rough estimate that nobody has ever assigned the adjective spiritual to an anglefish. No, no offense, it just doesn't necessarily go together. So, just to let people know, could you tell us one or two things about anglerfish that makes them awesome that we don't know? Because you know, we we kind of know about the light, and we say it's a lure and it's ugly and it's really deep and but it's just a couple of things that make people appreciate the anglerfish more just a couple of things oh my god i literally wrote a book about this <laughs> that goes with the albums so i'll see how much i can condense this um so yeah i totally understand and sympathize with this perception of the anglerfish as just this deep sea sea monster like i i was scared of her too for a long time i never in a million years would have thought i would ever see her as this spiritual symbol um or this uh or like a like a medicine for me 
So the anglerfish, for those not familiar with her, is a creature, a fish who lives in the deepest part of the ocean. She is simultaneously bioluminescent and biofluorescent, which is a fancy way of saying she makes her own light in the darkness of the ocean. So you might have seen her image, like you mentioned in Finding Nemo, in uh, she has a light on the top of her head. And this is often referred to as a lure that other fish swim up to and they attempt to eat it, I guess, thinking it's another fish or something. And then she eats them. So her, her big jaws open wide and just swallow them whole. And uh, so her light is called a lure. And, and it's for this reason that for a long time, I was very scared of her. Like, I didn't want it to be true that my spirit animal was this fisher of fish. That's what angler fish means. Like she angles other fish. I didn't want it to be true that I was just this deep sea monster that eats other fish and uses her light as a trick, right? But then when I came back around to her eight years after initially meeting her, I sincerely asked, like, what is your light? Like, what is it for real? Because I feel like the way that I've been taught to fear it is probably not the whole truth, right? So then she revealed to me in a meditation that in her perspective, she is totally justified in defending her light because from her perspective, she's just shining in the dark. She's using her light to see in the darkness and she needs to be able to do that. She generated that light herself. It's her power. So then these other fish come up and try to eat her light. So she eats them back. And in a way, it's actually quite fair. And she's simply defending herself. Um, Self-defense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Intellectual self-defense. So um, once I realized that I had that eureka moment with her, um, I stopped fearing my own light because throughout my own life, I, I was able to apply this, the anglerfish symbolism to this pattern in my own life where when I would shine, you know, when I would show my talents to the world, I would meet up against a lot of opposition and, and people trying to cut me down and people trying to put my light out for various reasons, you know, competitive people, jealous people, or people who genuinely think they were protecting me from the big bad world, you know, <laughs> like, um, but for a long time, I did try to squash my light. I did blame myself like, oh, maybe if I stop showing off so much or or being too much and being so obnoxious, maybe then uh, people will accept who I am. And maybe I'll finally feel that elusive love, right? And belonging. But the anglerfish helped me realize that there was nothing wrong with shining in the first place. And anyone who tries to eat my light, I... I'm not wrong for defending that light by any means necessary. And um, yeah, so that's, that's one of her many, many, many lessons. I literally, like I said, I wrote a book to go with this album. It's called on ugliness, ugliness with a Y instead of an I um, and the secrets of the anglerfish. So it's a poetry and prose book that explores the symbolism of the anglerfish kind of like layer by layer the fact that she lives in the deep ocean you know what does that mean the light on her head what does that mean um her size you know her sexual dimorphism the female is way larger than the male in this species so what does that mean um and so on and so on and it was these contemplations of her symbolism that i feel liberated me spiritually to reach these levels of art making that used to be inaccessible to me and and for that i'm i'm in a much more joyous and prosperous place so this is clearly what what at least in my day we used to call a concept album there's no no doubt about that okay but now that it literally is multimedia you mentioned the book 
And that leads me to also want to mention that you made your own music video yep. for one of the songs, Pleroma, on the album. So um, it, it's out there. We will put a link in the show notes directly to the video. And it, among many, many things, including an incredible outfit that you designed and sewed, um, there are there are clips and footage related to paranormal events. So um, what what... What? How does that play into "Ugly" in the, as a whole, and "Pleroma" in particular, the song that it represents, and 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 also let us know what it was like, like making a one-woman show, of, like making the entire video yourself. Oh, I'm so proud of the Pleroma music video. Over the moon proud. And I don't even like the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, the Pleroma music video is a blend of self-shot footage of me juxtaposed with footage of (laughs) paranormal activity. Not the movie, but like footage of people levitating or using telekinesis or... um, Oh God, like seeing ghosts and things like that. Creating fire. With their hands, yeah, without touching things. And um, so I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so deeply invested in reminding people that these sorts of superpowers are, uh, they exist in every single person. Everyone has access to these superpowers. And um, to sort of circle back to something I haven't said yet about the album, the reason it's called ugly is because it's a contemplation of the function of ugliness on the spiritual path and the relationship between ugliness and truth. So, um, the album kind of goes deep into what it means for something to be ugly. And my working definition of ugliness is anything we don't want to look at. So I'm not even talking about cultural beauty standards or like, oh, having circles under your eyes or having a little bit of extra weight around your hips or anything that maybe culturally might be considered ugly. I mean, spiritually, ugliness is like the things you try to hide from other people. So negative emotions, your repressed sadness, repressed rage, um, bad memories that you have, things like that. And interestingly enough, paradoxically, Something that could be considered ugly in that we try not to look at it is our own power. So the fact that humans can fly, the fact that humans can do telekinesis, the fact that uh, humans can communicate telepathically, these are all ugly in that they scare the shit out of most people. When you have these conversations, most people try to shut them down and don't want to look at our forgotten spiritual potential, our wasted spiritual potential, our light. So... In Pleroma, I didn't collect those paranormal videos to try to prove anything to anyone necessarily, because I know humans can fly. I don't need video proof. I did that more with the intention of um, creating a, a video that serves as a trigger for these contemplations. So when you see these videos of people levitating and whatnot, how do you feel looking at it and why do you feel that way? right? There are questions actually laced throughout the video that, oh, listen up, everybody. If you watch the video and you see seven subliminal questions on the screen while you're watching and you email me those seven questions, I will send you my book. (laughs) So just (laughs) watch with all three of your eyes open. Um, But yeah, to go back to your question, um, the 
significance of making my own music video uh, can be contextualized by the fact that during the making of this album, I read Non-Binary by Genesis P. Orridge, the absolute icon of industrial music and just uh, people could listen to our previous episode yeah, at, yeah. where we kind of go off on it in a positive way yeah, for the yeah. most part. Yeah, he, he is so uh, worth looking into as an artist. So um, something I learned about Genesis was that he was so compelled and so obsessively devoted to art that he avoided the nine to five life by any means necessary. It even came to certain points where he was living in squats and dumpster diving for food. Um, his own father cut him off out of just shame that his own son would throw away a perfectly good education in favor of living like a, a hobo basically, but he loved art that much. And he had this mentality of no excuses. Even if I don't have the money, even if I don't have the resources, I'm going to make art somehow, some way. Right. And he really was the embodiment of the phrase where there's a will, there's a way. So I'm reading that at the time that I was like preparing to make a music video, I was in talks with like two different filmmakers in the area and realizing with dread that I would not have the money to make this music video. I could not afford to pay them. And it was very um, embarrassing. Like, you know, I, I was like, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to make the video that my album deserves if I don't have the money? Right. But then reading Genesis really jump started me with the, the like lightning power I needed to, figure it out, just figure it out, no excuses. And so suddenly when I opened myself up to the possibility that I could make this happen without the resources, the idea started coming to me. And I just, you know, in devotion to the art, just got to work, figured it out as I went along. I made a dress by hand. I didn't even use a pattern. I just kind of followed instinct. And that's how I made the dress and the light up crown that you'll see in the video and figured it out with my editing software. And that's how we got Pleroma. Awesome. And as I said, the link to the Paloma video on YouTube um, will be available in the uh, show notes. But since, as I just said, the words on YouTube, this video wasn't without at least a little bit of controversy oh, yeah. on YouTube. Um, <laughs> could you share what the, what that detail was like? Yeah. So I have a promoter. He's wonderful. Um, his name is Kevin. And I've worked with him on my past album, Run Rabbit Run. So I brought him back on board for this. Um, and I had him run some ads for the Pleroma video, you know, so it could reach more people because I'm, I'm proud of my hard work and I want to show it off. And uh, in one of his update emails, he got back to me and said, hey, just so we're on the same page, I need you to know that YouTube is restricting the reach that your ads will have because the footage in the video is potentially disturbing. And Kevin said that they did not elaborate further, but they, they showed two specific clips that they thought were not appropriate for children. And it was two of the levitation clips. And it was just so... We can't have children think they can fly. Yeah, God forbid (laughs) that you ever tell children the truth. So, um, yeah, it's funny because I have this like haunting shadow of being a censored artist. Like (laughs) the reason I joined Substack in the first place was because Medium censored me. I was writing about the COVID vaccine and they kept deleting my articles with no warning. And they would say, oh, you broke our rules. But then I would email them back like, what rules did I break? And they couldn't tell me. They never answered me straight. Our rules. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I moved to Substack ultimately. And uh, so, you know, I thought, not that I thought I was past the censorship, but I at least could maybe understand the justification of 
people who really believe that the vaccine is the right thing to get thinking that my writing is dangerous. I cannot understand how someone could say that videos of people levitating could potentially be disturbing to children. Yeah. Because children, you see what they watch these days? Yeah. It, 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 but, but people levitating is disturbing. It, it could be the least disturbing thing they watch on any given day. Yeah. So I urge you to click on the link and decide for yourself. Is it disturbing or is it not? <laughs> but I do want to tie some stuff together. Now, we, 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 I've played a couple of clips. We've talked about the spiritual, you know, touch, just touched on. You got to get the book and you'll get the details. But we touched on the spiritual foundation of it. We talked about the, um, the video version of it. But the glue of the project, of course, is the music. And I want to make sure we, we clarify to people that we want, um, we want people to, to listen to this, the, the evolution of when humans had wings. If they go back in my archives to, August of 2022, they'll hear us talking about the release of your album, Run, Rabbit, Run. Ugly is different than Run, Rabbit, Run. And um, can you talk to the audience as music fans and tell them a bit about the your, your musical styles, your musical evolution, um, you're trying to find what genre you're working in, and just talk to us as a musician to, to kind of glue it all together. Absolutely. So my first album, which technically is an EP, Run Rabbit Run, was a way more whimsical, lighthearted, playful side of me. Of course, there are dark moments on that album too, but for the most part, it was me kind of throwing sounds together. And it was really my first time taking on a big project, like making a whole album. And so there's a lot of things I didn't know back then. Like, I mean, for example, I'll just straight up confess that I was using GarageBand for, so music people will know this, but GarageBand is like the demo version of Logic Pro. So it's like, like a demo version of having a whole DAW. So basically I used maybe a total of 20 software instruments on the whole album. Whereas in Ugly... I maybe used 200. Wow. So like, I know a lot more now, but, and, and, you know, no regrets, no regrets about Run, <laughs> Rabbit, Run. But, you know, I just didn't know a lot of things. I was very innocent and I was mostly just having fun and liberating myself because in the context of my life, Run, Rabbit, Run was the byproduct of me freeing myself to make music after 10 years of not singing. You know, because if you know my story, I was forced to sing as a kid for money. And so singing itself became a very triggering experience where it would like regress me into this traumatized state um, of, of like bodily sensations of the psychological abuse that I endured to sing as a kid. And so I stopped singing for 10 years. Like as soon as I turned 18, basically, it was almost like as soon as I could say no to singing, I did. But then uh, like you know, that that's a necessary phase in the healing process saying no, but then the next phase has to be learning how to say yes again, but on your own terms. So run rabbit run was me saying yes to everything. Just like the weirdest sounds and like experiments with the drums. And like, I literally yodel on the album. So, you know, I was having fun and ugly is a graduation from that in that I still had fun with this album, but it, I feel that I was more honest in this album because while it's not that I was dishonest on Run Rabbit Run, there were just levels of myself I didn't know yet. And I came to know those levels of myself, particularly my femininity through working on Ugly. And so this album is 
a different side of me that is just as authentic, but maybe darker than people might expect now because of that first album I put out. And I, you know, but it is, it's still me, you know, I'm just, I'm complex. Like all of us, I have my love and light side and I have my shadow worker side. And yeah, so that's, I'd say that's the main difference between ugly and run rabbit run. And just in general, I've always been a chameleon of a person. So I fully expect that my next album will probably have different sonic qualities than ugly does. And I'm just going to keep discovering different facets of myself. And I'm just in advance grateful to anyone who's along for the ride. Excellent. And again, to the audience, if you've been listening to this entire episode, you heard a clip from Angel in the Deep already. You heard a clip from which I'm going to put a clip in there from Lost. And towards the end will be a clip from Live from Grandiose City. So how many songs totally on the album? 11. So you have clips of four of those songs. So you're going to get a diverse taste of what Ugly is like. And there's only one way to get the full taste, and that's to, to buy the album. And all the links are in the show notes. And if you buy the album, then you'll get both the book that I wrote on Ugliness and the Secrets of the Anglerfish in ebook form. And you'll get the B-Sides album, which is eight tracks of songs that were originally written for Ugly, but didn't make it to the ultimate album, but they're still awesome. And I still want to share them with you. So the way to do that is uh, on Bandcamp. If you buy the album, the book is already part of the download. Just then I'll have your email and I'll send you the B-Sides album. If you buy Ugly on any other platform, just send me a screenshot of your purchase and I'll send you the book and the B-Sides. Excellent. What a bargain. <laughs> what a bargain for me. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm going to say that we've we've talked about the book a little bit. We've talked about the video a little bit. We've talked about the music a little bit. And we've talked about the underlying spiritual concept of it. And I know that right now you're basking in the glow and we want people to, you know, get ugly and do this. <laughs> but I do want to say I am curious um, have you been thinking in any way, shape, or form, you know, people know you as a Substack writer, and we just pointed out that you're a videographer and a clothing designer and an author and all this stuff. Um, do you have any idea yet of where your talents are going to take you in the next big project or series of small projects? I have an idea. I've been really into dream work. This past year, I've been getting into lucid dreaming practices, dream recall, intentional dreaming, things like that. And uh, it's changed my life. It's changed my life. And I find that the music that's been coming to me since finishing Ugly is this sort of structureless, surreal dreamscape kind of music it's really abstract it's really there's no containers of like a verse a chorus a verse a chorus it's so open-ended and I find myself in my head writing these songs that don't have a shape really they feel the way that a dream feels and Would that they include li- vocals or are they instrumentals? vocals but I don't know about lyrics I think just like vocalizations, vocalizations. yeah okay. and that I, I find myself very inspired by artists like, what is his name? Dimitrio Stratos. He, or Strato, I, I keep forgetting his name, but he is this brilliant um, vocalist who, oh, get this. I, if, I'm going to paraphrase, but he was described as 
wanting to free the voice, the human voice from the slavery of language. Mm -hmm. So he would sing without words and he would sing outside of scales, outside of keys. Like he would just, whatever came out of his mouth came out. And, and you, that in, in theory, like the way that I'm describing it, that might sound off putting or like, how could that sound good? But when you hear him sing, he's like an angel. He's like an angel. It's divine to hear him sing. And, and uh, one of my favorite artists, Mike Patton, who I get compared to a lot, which I take as a high compliment and also as a very frightening standard (laughs) to live up to. Mike Patton scares the shit out of me in the best way. I love him. Um, He found Demetrio Strato or Strato's very uh, inspiring and, and made a whole album. One of the worst reviewed albums of all time, but I love it to bits. It's um, I don't remember the name. It's a very long kind of like, ironic title but he did that thing that demetrio was doing where he just made random sounds sometimes it would be like a guttural squeal other times it would be like a falsetto vibrato thing going on and but like just whatever came out came out and that and also there were like machine like instrumental sounds going on in the background it was just random noise with the purpose of like freeing the voice from any sort of structure that binds it and even though people didn't get it I get it. Like there I'm all about liberation. I'm all about humans can fly. Like I mean that literally and metaphorically. Like like metaphorically spiritually, why do we follow any rules? Why do we adhere to any structures just for the sake of having a structure? It's not that I'm anti-structure. I see the value of having a framework for things. But sometimes we follow order without conscious intention and that ends up being our own self-imposed limit that keeps us from realizing our potential. And so we've got to on occasion do these purposeful exercises in freeing the self from whatever structure it may be, whether it's the structure of like the nine to five life or the structure of the tonal scale. So, yeah, I'm going to, I've, I've watched at least one Demetrio, Demetrio Stratos. If I'm, I don't mean, neither one of us have told you sure. So we apologize if we got that wrong. So if I can dig up the Mike Patton info and the Dimitri's info, I will include that in the show notes. If not, you guys have heard this, I say the names enough, you know, you have a search engine in front of you. It's worth it. But um, if you haven't heard Allison sing, you go check it out. I mean, I mean, you'll hear it in this podcast and then you can visualize more easily, um, what her vocalizations might sound like. Oh, thank like, you. like, so that would be, I think of, of use there. And, um, also I want to add some trivia about ugly. Um, so when you guys hear the clip from lost, uh, just make note that that song has a moment in the second verse where I'm chanting numbers in the background. So for context, for like two months leading up to the recording of lost, I was seeing the number one Oh eight everywhere. And 108 is very significant in certain spiritual traditions, particularly Hinduism. It, it's considered a divine number because it's the number of the golden ratio, which may, makes up uh, many aspects of our material universe. So um, I was recording and I had this idea spontaneously to just start chanting numbers and not write down what numbers I was going to chant, but just kind of let numbers spill out of my mouth, I guess. So I'm standing there at the microphone like, one, two, three, five, eight, seven, seven, like just things are coming out. And I finished recording and then I went back and out of curiosity added up the numbers and they added up to 108. I was like, you're kidding me. Like the, so, you know, a lot of people would describe that as, um, stream of consciousness. Like there, there's a greater intelligence that can be accessed when we 
stop grasping and stop trying to contain or restrict. So you knew what you were doing, in other words. I not you, not consciously, but you knew. Uh, yeah, you knew, my subconscious knew, knew what you were adding doing. up to one hundred eight. Yeah, okay. yeah, my subconscious yeah. mind knew that those numbers would add up to one hundred eight. I consciously, that was not my intention. I didn't have an intention. I just like was kind of doing what my intuition guided me to do, and so you know, it showed me, it reminded me that when we live in the flow, you know, and we are open to learning and having new experiences, as cliche as this may sound, we end up realizing so much more than we would if we uh, fear the unknown. And again, that's a yet another lesson of this whole album, like, you know, this anglerfish who lives in the dark um, and can barely see what's in front of her, what's around her. Uh, most people would fear that kind of life, but she trusts her own light to guide her and uh, keeps moving forward into the darkness. And ultimately all of her needs are met. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I've known you so long and I've been interacting with you all throughout this process, but I'm still in awe of the whole thing. And, and I really, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, here was the podcaster trying to sell something. But anyone who's listened to my podcast knows it's not about that. And I'm very careful as to who I have on and who I'm pitching. And, and um, I'm just urging you, you have four samples in this podcast. And I'm absolutely certain that that will inspire you to click over to Bandcamp, um, become a subscriber. What's it called? AllisonGray.substack.com. And, and you become a Bandcamp. Oh, uh, right. Oh, I have. Okay. So I have my Bandcamp backstage, which is like Patreon, but specifically for Bandcamp. It's $4 a month. And each month I upload like unreleased tracks, works in progress, demos that no one else has ever heard before, um, behind the scenes clips of like the music production process, just, you know, your standard like backstage pass. Yeah. And it's a way of, you know, people justifiably will and openly talk about how mainstream pop culture has gotten to a point where they just can't get into it. And, and the, the, the antidote, one of the antidotes to that is to support independent artists, find people you like, support their work, and things like Bandcamp Backstage and Patreon, for example, is a way for people that I understand resources can be scattered $4 a month. I mean, that's 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 barely 15 cents a day where you could just say, hey, I heard Allison on the podcast. I got the album. I like what she has to say. I read the book. I can do $4 a month to be one of those people that's going to um, help support the vocalization album, for example, and, and the endless evolution of the ensuing album. So I really, really encourage everybody to, you can click back through this. And if you already heard us talk, fine. So just check out the clips again and decide for yourself. We're not forcing anything down your throat, but I'm confident that you're going to really love- We're inviting love you into absolutely. my world. Yeah, you're going to love the music and you're going to love the diversity of it that- and the uniqueness of it. And once you get to the band camp, it's, it, it's, it's a couple of clicks and you're supporting Allison. And, and, um, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Con congratulations, congratulations <laughs> on, on uh, album number two of many, 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 and I'm wishing you abundance, blessing, mercy, grace, all the beautiful things. Oh, thank you. And, um, as we wrap up here in like two, one or two minutes, is there one closing thought that you just want people to know about you and ugly before they sign off and go purchase the album. I really feel in my soul 
that this album is meant for great things. I feel that something endowed me with the inspiration and the motivation and everything I needed to make something that people have literally never heard before. I've never even heard anything like this album before. Like if I had to tell you who my influences were, I guess I could draw some parallels between like my music and sneaker pimps or Flyleaf or Evanescence or, you know, Mike Patton, like I said before, but ultimately my genre is outside of all those things. And I really feel like I am starting something that is beyond me ultimately it's not about me it's not about this particular album it's about breaking through a long-standing limit that i've been seeing in the music industry there's this overemphasis on formulas and on existing genres and doing things the safe way doing things the marketable way and um not not trying to be too different or too new and there's some rebellious side of me that just absolutely and utterly rejects that and had to make this album even though logically it doesn't make sense to make something that isn't commercially viable by those standards and yet i found myself like guided by some higher grace i i really do believe was was god's favor to have what i needed to make this album and, and not just resource wise but the strength and the courage and the patience and the endurance um, and so this album is the result of that, that drive. And, um, I'm, I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Cause I really do feel like I'm doing something new, like really, really new in the way that like some of my favorite icons in the past have done like David Bowie and things like that. So that's how I honestly feel about my album. And I'm sure that anyone who listens will feel the same way. And, and that's why I'm so excited to share it. Amen to that. And let me say, thank you. Um, again, this is episode 100. You have been a guest on somewhere from 15 to 17 of them. So thank you for being such a big part of my podcast for the first two years. And this time being sitting right next to me in New York City. And of course, all the best with Ugly. Again, I'm urging you guys, go to the show notes, check it all out. But Allison, thank you as always for coming here and sharing your beautiful energy with us. Thank you for having me, honestly. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke, because Post Woke is more than this podcast. 
which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Postwoke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you are getting quality content at least once a day, all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, Check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool kick-ass shirt, and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word, and let's get back to the show. Of course, I want to thank Allison Gray for being the guest here and being the guest literally here in person in New York City. And I want to congratulate her on the the incredible accomplishment of this album, Ugly, and urge all of you to go to the show notes, subscribe to her Bandcamp, subscribe to her Substack, buy this album, support her as an artist and a thinker, and spread the word far and wide. I have some closing thoughts, but I want to let you know that when I'm finished with that. I will play us out with another clip from a song from Ugly. It's called Live from Grandiose City. But before we get to that, I really, really want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of the Post-Woke Podcast for two years now, 100 episodes. I'm not exactly sure when episode 101 will happen and what direction I'll be taking this podcast. So that's just another reason to keep your guard up. Coming to you.